we're so glad that you're here. Uh, like I said, we're glad that you've made Liberty Church your place of worship today. Uh, and I'm really excited to be trying our best uh, to close this message out, this, this sermon series that we started four weeks back, right? It's been a super in-depth, very information-based message. It's been very challenging to me as a pastor to, to understand all this stuff and to preach it and to teach it. And so I just hope and pray that y'all have learned something, learned something new. I hope and pray that you've, you've grown. Amen. I hope that maybe God's shown you something different, something new uh, concerning end times. I hope y'all have enjoyed it. Have, have any of y'all enjoyed this? Learned something? Amen. Some hands. Praise God. That makes me feel good. Uh, like I said, I know the Lord has really, really stretched me, uh, but I'm thankful and I'm, I'm excited to, to wrap this up. We're going to really uh, try our best to, to, to end this off on a high note, on a good note, that there is, there's hope and joy and peace in Jesus. Right? Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and no matter, we could study and talk about this uh, till he comes back and figuring out all the details, right? But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, hey, are you and Jesus good? Right? If you and Jesus are good, the rest of all these questions, he can answer them to you when you enter in one day, right? And you can still be diligent and a student of the word while you're here uh, and to find those answers out for yourself. And I hope you haven't taken everything that I've said uh, as gospel, uh, you know, because I, I miss it and I mess up sometimes. So I hope you've studied yourself true on your own and done some of your own quiet time studying of this, right? The Word of God, right? Because we need to, we need to do that in our personal lives. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to quickly, I'm going to try my best to recap um, these points before we get into the new part of our message. And y'all, I believe <laughs> Liberty Church, we have set like a new record uh, for this message on on points and, out, and our outline and, and scriptures. Uh, and so we're actually not even going to be going back all the way to week one today. We're just going to be giving you the highlights from last week. Okay, so if you missed any of the other messages, they are available to you, okay? Because I don't have the time to get into all of it. You know, all you got to do is get on Facebook. You can watch Pastor Keith or myself or, or on YouTube. Our messages are there, there and available to you, okay, for more in-depth description and details of what we're talking about today. Okay, so let's, uh, let's skip down. Let's look at that, that first recap point uh, this morning, what we said last week, okay? So last week, we really dissected and talked about the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, right? The first season, that first three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel, right? We said to understand end times, we have to understand the prophetic word of God, and we have to actually start in a place you may not think, which is not Revelations, but actually in Daniel uh, nine, right? And so that's where we hung out last week. And so today we're going to talk about the last three and a half years. Okay. But last week, this is what we said, right? We said the first three and a half years of the great tribulation or Daniel's 70th week unpacks some alarming and some horrifying things. And that's an understatement, right? Let's look at that next point. So some things that are going to happen, right? We said that the antichrist is going to be revealed as a political world leader, right? As Jesus begins, we said that there's seven, seven seals, seven trumpets, right? We're going to talk about the seven bowls of the wrath of God today. As Jesus begins to open that first seal on the scroll, right, in the heavenly places, that's, that's, that, that's that next event that allows the Antichrist, right, to come onto the scene, to make his way and establish himself as a political world leader. And that's exactly what he's going to be. It's what he's going to look like. He's going to look and be disguised as a man of peace, Right? But last week we said he's, he's not going to be anything of the sort. He's actually going to be an enforcer 
of this covenant that is going to happen between Israel and 10 other nations. Right? If you've been paying attention in the news, uh, the Lord has, I believe, used President uh, Trump uh, for this peace treaty to begin to happen. There's already three nations that have signed on with Israel, and he says that there's three or four other nations sitting in the wings right now just waiting on the results of this election to see if they're going to enter into this, this agreement, this, this, this covenant. So that is actually happening right now before our very eyes. Okay, Things are being shifted into place. Okay, so we said he's gonna, the Antichrist will make his way. Okay, that no one at that moment is going to know he's the Antichrist. So he's not necessarily unveiled, but he will be put in place. That next point, we said another thing that's going to happen, which is kind of kind of cool and kind of crazy, right? Is that 144,000 Jews are going to be sealed. Somebody say sealed. Uh, sealed with the Holy Spirit and begin to testify that Jesus is, right? Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. And the blindness that is currently on the, the state of Israel, uh, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people right now will be lifted, right? And I said that I believe, uh, it doesn't make it true, but I believe in pre-tribulation rapture of the church because uh, I believe that God's going to uh, rapture his church uh, before the Antichrist makes his way. It's going to make it a lot easier for the Antichrist to be put in place if you remove the voice of truth from the earth. But So if you think about it, if God removes his church, uh, where will the Holy Spirit be? Right? The Holy Spirit lives with us, right? All you smart people. So we'll be in the presence of God. And so the only Holy Spirit that's going to be here on earth is going to be sealed with this 144,000 Jewish believers. Okay, And then the blindness of Israel will be lifted because the church will be gone. We're in the season of the church. It's all about God's church right now. But that season will come to an end, I believe, when, when he raptures his church back into his presence. Okay, So the only part of the Holy Spirit that will be here on earth will be with those 144,000 Jewish believers. Amen? We said that next point. Uh, we said, so that those two things are going to happen. Uh, and then the Jews, the Jewish people, are going to have to rebuild the temple Right to begin offering daily sacrifices in Jerusalem once again. Maybe you didn't know, but they have not actually had any offerings. No sacrifices have been made for over two thousand years, right? And so we know that that has to happen, right? Because based on Daniel nine twenty seven, we didn't give it to you today, but we give it to you every other week, right? We said that we asked the question, where are we now in end times? And we said we're in the gap of Daniel nine twenty six, verse nine. 26 and between verse 9, 27, right? And in verse 9, 27, it says, speaking of the Antichrist, that he will bring an end to sacrifices and offerings. And so we know for them to have sacrifices and offerings, they have to have a place to do that, which is the temple, and it's not built, right? And so that has to happen. And so uh, that is another major uh, event that you can know and see and recognize uh, if you're left behind and missed the train uh, when God raptures his church to know that it's, it's getting close uh, when that temple is, is rebuilt. Just the sign of what's happening currently with Israel is enough for me uh, to trust in God today. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm not waiting for tomorrow to trust in Jesus. Uh, you know, tomorrow's not promised to us. And so you better take advantage of today. You know, today is a gift. Uh, and I don't say that lightly. Today is a gift. It has to change the way that I live and think and believe in my personal life. Uh, that next point. So we know the temple has to be rebuilt. 
And we talked about these two witnesses, right, last week. And I think this is really a, a cool dynamic and a whole other part of the story of the end times because it, it's really a lot's going to happen as the Antichrist becomes that political world leader. No one else is going to know that he is the Antichrist yet except these two witnesses. Uh, and a lot of the believers believe that these two witnesses are going to be Elisha and Moses. Uh, eschatologists, uh, that is the study of end times, some other super smart uh, Bible scholars, smarter than I am, believe that that's who the two witnesses are going to be. But this is, that's what they're going to do. They're going to step on the scene and begin to prophesy judgment against the Antichrist and the world, new world system that is trying to be ushered in uh, and established on the earth. Right? They're going to stand and they're going to prophesy and speak truth and be the only two people on earth uh, in a very public way, and y'all know we're super connected nowadays. You can know what's going on on the other side of the earth in a moment. Everybody's going to know who these two people are, and they're all going to despise them and hate them because they're standing against the Antichrist, and they're going to actually prophesy the seven seals as Jesus opens them, the judgments of God, and they're actually going to happen. They're going to seal the sky from rain. Sickness and diseases are going to happen. Uh, there's going to be tribulation in the earth. Right? And they're going to happen, and the people are going to think it's because of them. But they're, it's not because of them, it's because they're prophesying against the Antichrist. And so they're actually going to blame them. Right? That next point. So we said that the seven seals that I'm talking about, right? We said there are seven seals and seven trumpets of judgment will then begin to be poured out on the earth. As the, the two witnesses fight against the Antichrist, Jesus will open them seals, like I'm saying, and the judgments will begin to be poured out. The next point, I kind of already said this, but so the two witnesses, right, they're going to be then blamed for the destruction on the earth, and, but the Antichrist, there's going to be a battle. He's going to come against them. He's actually going to kill them, and the world is going to celebrate their death. Imagine that. Our world's already pretty lost. It does a lot of sick things. Uh, the, only, the only two people standing against the Antichrist, the world is going to celebrate, and actually it says give gifts and celebration of their death. But, somebody say but. You know, there's a holy but in the word of God. He says, after three days, God is going to raise them from the dead and rapture them into his presence. Come on, somebody. I said last week that no matter what, God takes care of those that will stand for him. So no matter what you're, you're going through or whatever you may go through, man, stand for him. He will take care of you, right? Did they go through some tough stuff? Yes. Were they persecuted? Yeah. Did they, they actually suffer death? But, right, but God, he raptures them into his presence. So we have to remember that when I feel alone, when I, when I feel maybe forsaken, I, I got to know that all I got to do is call on the Lord and he's with me, right? Uh, that next point, I believe this is our last uh, recap point. And so in the battle, I'm not necessarily sure how the Antichrist, it doesn't explain how he's wounded. I think it's in fighting with the two witnesses. He will incur a deadly wound. He's going to recover. The false prophet will tell the world that he, the, the Antichrist is basically on his deathbed. He's going to supernaturally recover, and they're going to worship, begin to worship him almost in like a Jesus-like way. The devil tries to pervert every good thing that God does. And you know, Jesus is the Savior and the Messiah of the world, of the earth. And the, the Antichrist is going to go ahead and try and counterfeit uh, the, the, the rising of the Savior of Jesus Christ. And they're going to begin to worship him as he supernaturally covers, right? And then he is then going to be unveiled as the Antichrist. You'll have to take his mark or not. If you deny taking the mark, you'll be killed. And so over the next three and a half years, 
of the tribulation, uh, the false prophet convinces the world to make an image of the Antichrist and then sets it up in the temple, a desecration of the Holy of Holies in the new temple in Jerusalem, and they will actually worship the devil, worship the Antichrist, and if you don't worship him, he will kill you. And that will begin the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. That, 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 um, that infinite clock, that, that clock invisible, that invisible clock will begin to start ticking. Okay, Satan, you got three and a half years till it's fixing the, till Jesus is fixing to come back, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today, these last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. And uh, go ahead and look at Revelations 13, 5 through 8, and it's really kind of crazy how the, the devil, like I'm saying, perverts the goodness of God, because we have the Holy Trinity, right? We have God the Father, we have God the Son, who is Jesus, uh, we have the Holy Spirit, right? And they are all in total agreement, and they point to each other. The Holy Spirit points, always points to Jesus, Right? And Jesus, what does he do? Always points to his father. And this, you got to know this about the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. It's that same type of deal. It's how the enemy is going to pervert that holy trinity. you got Satan, the devil. He's going to relinquish his authority and power onto the antichrist. And then the false prophet is going to be his right-hand man, and they're going to point to each other. The false prophet will point to the antichrist as God, and the antichrist will point to the devil for all his power, and it's just how the enemy is going to pervert that in the end of days. Okay, so let's look at this, this scripture, Revelation 13, 5 through 8. I want to read this before we give you the first new point uh, this morning as we're talking about the unveiling of the Antichrist when this happens, okay? Y'all, y'all, y'all tracking with me? I ain't lost anybody? Uh, so verse 5, it says, Then the beast, right, who's the Antichrist, was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God as he set up in the temple is the desecration of the temple, right? And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written and the book of life before the world was made, the book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. Okay, let's look at that, that next point, that first new point uh, for y'all this morning. Okay, so once the Antichrist is then unveiled, he sets himself up as God and begins to demand worship, he will begin to do these things, to come against God, wage war against God, against God's people, God's land, the world, enforcing that covenant with Israel, okay? He's going to attack the Jews, uh, but God, somebody, somebody say, but God, there it is again, right, will provide a place of protection for the Jews, right? When we started this whole thing, what did we say? That we as a church and, and modern-day Christians need to see, know, recognize about end-time events, that they revolve around three things, right? Who is paying attention? It revolves around God's Come on, somebody. God's people. Somebody's paying attention. Jonathan, I love you, sir. God's people, God's land, right? And God's city, right? And so after God raptures his church, it is all, hear me, all going to be about God's people, God's city, and God's land, right? And so as the Antichrist is then unveiled as the Antichrist, he is now waging war on earth against God's people, God's land, uh, and God's city, Okay, let's read uh, Revelations 12, 13 through 14. The cool thing is God is going to provide protection for his people. It says when the dragon, right, or who, that is 
um, um, symbolic of Satan, realized that he had been thrown down to the earth. He pursued the woman who was Israel, who had given birth to the male child, right? Who was Jesus, our Savior. But she was given two wings like those of the great eagle so she could fly into the place prepared. Somebody say prepared for her in the wilderness. Then she would be cared for and protected from the dragon, Satan, for a time, times of half a time. If you study that out, it means for three and a half years. So God is going to provide a place. They have to flee to a place in the wilderness, in the mountains, where the, their provider will, will keep them safe. They're still gonna, it's still going to be tough. They're going to encounter all sorts of attacks and things, but God, for the most part, will protect the people that are believing in him at that current time, the, the sealed 144,000 Jews who are preaching the gospel of Jesus and anybody who they have then saved because of their works, okay? And so God is going to do that. He's going to provide that place. And y'all hear me, God protects those that he loves, right? Um, let's read Matthew 24, 15 through 25. And I want to give y'all some homework this week. I want you to go home sometime this week and read this whole chapter of Matthew 24. This is one of the best chapters uh, in the Bible. It's Jesus speaking almost the whole chapter, and he is actually speaking about end times events, things that we are talking about right now. And you know what? When I read uh, the, the gospel and Jesus speaks, you know what? I have, a, I have a tendency to pay attention a little more, <laughs> right? Because he has red letters, and it kind of pops off the page, and I, and I kind of hunker down and lean in. Okay, Jesus, God, what are you trying to say? And so this is what Jesus is talking about, the protection of the Jews that is going to happen in the end times, right? And he says, so therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, does that, does that ring a bell to anybody? We've been talking about that in Daniel 9, right? Spoken by Daniel, there is, he's actually referencing the word of God, Daniel 9, Jesus himself, the prophet, standing in the holy place, and he says, whoever reads, let him understand this, this prophetic word concerning end times. Then let those who are in Judea at that time flee to the mountains. Let him who is on a housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not even go back to get his clothes. He says, when these things happen, if you're out working or if you're out, don't even go back. Just simply flee to the mountains. Y'all gather together. This is Jesus forewarning, right? His people uh, against what was going to happen in the end times events. Um, for time's sake, let's skip down to verse 23. Uh, Brittany, like I said, y'all, I challenge y'all, go read this whole chapter uh, either today or this week. But verse 23, Jesus he then says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe. We know he is talking to the Jews, because how many Gentiles do you know that are looking for the Messiah? I'm going to stop there. And, and at, in the end times, when this happens, there are not going to be any Gentiles looking for Jesus. There aren't going to be. It's going to be all about the blindness being removed from Israel. And so that is actually a hidden message within this message. Uh, because the only people looking for, for Jesus and the Messiah is going to be the Jewish people. And he's actually speaking to the Jewish people at, at this exact moment in time as he's saying this also. Uh, maybe the one time in Scripture he's not talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the Jewish uh, people. And so verse 24 he says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So I have told you these things beforehand, right? So he's saying, be careful, be watched out. I'm the only one. If someone comes in my name, you better hear me. If, 
don't take everything that I say as the gospel truth. Go study, study what I'm saying every week because I miss it. I'm only human. Pastor Ian is only human. Pastor Keith is only human. And this scripture kind of scares me because I'm a convo to my sheep, right? And so I don't want to force somebody to stumble or lead somebody astray. And you as a believer and even me as a believer, I'm careful who I allow to speak into my life. Right? Because people are going to be easily deceived coming in the name of Jesus, uh, performing signs, miracles, wonders, healings in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says that they are not going to be that. They are going to be part of the enemy, part of the deception that is going to take place. Okay, that next point. So the Antichrist, he's going to be unveiled. Okay, he's going to begin to demand worship. And when that happens, like I said, that invisible clock of three and a half years that God is going to allow him to do his thing, here on earth begins to start ticking, uh, and, and when that happens, these seven bowls, right, are then going to be poured out. Uh, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on earth specifically, now hear me, on those who have the mark of the beast, the Antichrist himself, the false prophet, and Babylon. That city where, that is, you thought Sodom and Gomorrah was bad, it ain't going to have nothing on the city of Babylon. It is going to be just wrecked in sin and and steeped in, in, in disgusting filth and sin, uh, sin. I can't say it in any other way. And so the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on these seven bowls, uh, the seven seals are the, the judgment of God, and these seven bowls are the wrath of God, okay? You know what? Those are two different things. You know what? Neither one of them sound good. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here for the judgment of God or the wrath of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we're gonna we're gonna explain what these um, these uh, these bowls are for you, okay? And at, before we read this, go ahead and uh, go to Revelations fifteen one. Before we read this, I just want to remind us as we're reading this that our God is a good God. He's a loving Father, and these these the judgments of God and the wrath of God. Sometimes we have a tendency to read this and we'll we'll ask that little. That little, it's a whisper of the enemy, I think, if your God is so good, why would he do this? Why would he unleash these terrible things on people and on the earth? I want you to hear me. As we just read in that point, the wrath of God is not going to be poured out on the people of God. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on those who have taken the mark, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all those who are living and reveling in sin. Right? Everyone before God, Jesus comes back, will have a... Before he raptures his church, I believe, even will have a choice to deny or accept who Jesus is. And so these people have pridefully rejected the Savior over and over and over again even. And so this, these are good judgments, hear me, and these are rightful uh, the, the wraths and judgments and things that are going to take place. Okay, and so we'll even read this as they begin to worship him as God does this uh, to, to re- even remind the Father, I believe, that he is good. But Revelations 15.1, it says, Then I saw in heaven a- another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which, were, which, were bring, um, which would bring God's wrath sorry, to completion. Okay, These things have to happen uh, for the completion of God's wrath to be done. So Revelation 16, 1 through 21, okay? We're going to read all through this. It says, Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, 
Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. And horrible malignant swords broke out on everyone who, what, had the mark of the beast. He didn't pour it out on believers. He didn't pour it out on his children. He poured it out on those who, who chose to worship the Antichrist, right, and worship his statue. Verse 3. And the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like a blood of a corpse. And everything in the sea died. And the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they also became like blood. Pretty crazy things will happen in the end days. Verse 5, it says, And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You are just a holy one, who is and always was, because you have sent these judgments. Since they have shed blood on your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. I believe even as the Father pours these out, maybe, I don't know, maybe he needs to be reminded that he's good as it might still break his heart to do this. So our God is that good. And his angels say, you know what? You are righteous. You are good. These things, these people have done this to your people. They've rejected your son and you are holy and you are good. Amen. And it says, your judgments are true and just. Verse 8, it says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by his blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent for their sins and turn to God and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged in darkness. His subjects ground their teeth. And anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores, but they did not repent of the evil deeds and turn to God. I see a theme in that little chunk of scripture. I don't know about you, but all these things are going on. It's evident uh, of, of God and who he is, and these people are going to even dig down even more and begin to curse God and reject God even more. And so as I was praying and studying this week, getting ready for today, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this little nugget. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like nugs. I like little nuggets. And so I'm going to give it to you. It's free of charge. You can write it down if you want. And I feel like the Holy Spirit told me, he said, rebellion refuses to repent. Rebellion refuses to repent. And see, as we read scriptures like this sometimes, we have a tendency to remove ourselves from the equation, right? We'll sit and read that and we'll sit there and think, man, how could they be so ignorant? How could they be so dumb? Don't they get it? Don't they know this is God? You know, we remove ourselves from the equation. But you know what? Each and every one of us have rebelled against God. Each and every one of us has said, God, no, I'm not ready. God, no, not yet. God, I'm going to do it my way. God, I'm, this, this season of sin is enjoyable. I come from addiction. A lot of y'all know that. So I rebelled against God. And when you are in that place of rebellion, you will refuse to repent. What is repentance? God, forgive me. God, I'm not God. God, I need you. I need your presence in my life. I need your power in my life. I'm not God. Forgive me. Repentance ushers in what? The forgiveness of God. If you live in rebellion, God's forgiveness is not available to you. And these you think the world is lost? Now 
it's going to be lost times a million when these things are happening. That's what sin will do. It corrupts, right? A little leaven. The whole lump, the whole loaf will just be engulfed in sin when this happens. Verse 12, it says, uh, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings of the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon, who is Satan, right? The beast and the false prophet. They uh, are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world and gather them for the battle against the Lord on that great judgment uh, of God, the Almighty. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are those who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. Are you ready this morning? Verse 16, And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place uh, with the Hebrew name Armageddon, right? Now we're talking about the battle of Armageddon. Uh, Jesus and his, his armies, uh, uh, heaven's armies against Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, right? Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne of the temple, saying, It is finished. Then a thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on earth. Hear me, this will be the wrath of God on the earth. Because of Satan. When, Satan. when Satan sets himself up as the idols, the, the, the worship, they will worship him like God on earth. He is declaring war on God Almighty. When that happens, God declares war on Satan through these seven bowls of wrath. And when that happens, that is exactly what's going to happen. That's on earth because of Satan. All just, all this happens just before the good part. Amen. Somebody say good part. I got some good news. I got a good part for you next. Let's look at that next point. Here's the good part. Then, after the seven bowls have been poured out, now we can come on a cloud, right? Jesus Christ returns on a white horse with his church, returns, and we return with him. Anybody going to be there? Somebody? Anybody? A couple hands. That makes me kind of nervous. Come on, somebody. I want to be there. The battle of Armageddon will then take place. Are you going to be ready with a sword? to fight for righteousness against sin and evil in the world. And all who have received the mark of the beast are going to be killed. The Antichrist and false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire, and Satan will be bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, and Christ will reign on earth with a rod for a thousand years. So we're going to read how all this happens and, and, and transpires. But the cool thing is, finally, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the alpha, the omega, will finally once again rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. For a thousand years. And the, the weird thing is, the Antichrist and false prophet will be cast in the lake of fire, but Satan himself will just be cast and bound in a pit for a thousand years. He'll actually be released again. We're going to talk about that. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, and as I'm thinking, maybe you're thinking the same, God, why can't we just be done? Why does, it, why does Satan get another chance, right? When, when I have questions like that, I, I just I chalk it up as, God, your ways are higher. You know, your thoughts are not mine. And, and as I was praying and studying this week, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit just, just reminded me, you know what? We are quick to forget the goodness of God. And just I had this thought. Jesus Christ himself is going to reign in righteousness with a rod for a thousand years on earth. It will be like heaven on earth, but not quite. Because that last battle hasn't happened yet. But... 
So Satan will then be released a thousand years later, and he is going to stir up and rile up everybody who is left against God one more time. They are going to be ruled and reigned with Jesus Christ, and they are still going to forget. <laughs> so hear me. Let's try our best not to forget the goodness of God. Right? Because we're the same. And that's why Satan ultimately has to be cast in the lake of fire. Because as long as that spirit, that divination that comes against God, the Antichrist spirit, is allowed to roam here in this place, there will always be temptation. There will always be sin knocking on the door, right? And so I think it's just a quick reminder of, of how good Jesus is and, and how evil the enemy is, right? We got to despise our enemy. And so it's got to it's be something that gives us more hope and more joy to be, to be steadfast, to fight for righteousness, and to follow Jesus in our lives. Amen? Well, let's read Revelations 19, uh, 11 through 21. So we're going to go ahead and read this in Scripture, really everything that we laid out in that point for you. So it says, Then I saw heaven opened, right? This is the good part. And a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. I love that. Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. How cool. His title was the Word of God. Y'all know that is John, the disciple that Jesus loved, is writing this in Revelations. Do y'all know what John wrote in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and His name, when He comes back, will be the Word of God. Amen. He is the Word and the truth of God. It's who He is. It's who He is. In verse 14, it says, The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed Him on white horses. From His mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's Jesus Christ, amen. That is himself. He is coming, and he, that will be, as he makes his way, is what is going to happen. And I want to be there, amen. Verse 17, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky. And he says, come, gather together for the great banquet that God has prepared. Uh, Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, and who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, uh, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and worshipped his statue, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. After the, the, the battle of Armageddon, there is going to be death, 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 and some more death. And hear me, do you know what causes death? It's sin. Sin causes death. Sin has consequences. And because of the people in this day and time and age of their sin, there's going to be plenty of death. And it's kind of crazy. God even provides 
the vultures will be able to have, it says, a gourmet banquet, a feast like they never have because of the consequences of those who have denied and rejected God. Revelations 20, uh, 1 through 6, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut up and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. And afterward, he must be released for a little while. you got to know that the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're cast into the lake of fire, but Satan is just put into this pit for a thousand years. And I don't know why God decides to do that. Uh, I do know he has to do that to fulfill prophecy. And we just said that Jesus, his title is going to be the word of God. Right? And so that prophecy has to be fulfilled. And I'm sure there's other reasons why, uh, but that is, that is what's going to happen. So verse 4, it says, Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them who had been given authority to judge. I believe this will be probably the 12 disciples uh, and some other key people will have the ability to, have a, a, to, to judge with Jesus. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Okay, We're not talking about the great throne judgment yet. Blessed and holy are those who share in this first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with him for a thousand years. I believe this is the saints, right? Those, anyone who's been persecuted, killed, beheaded in the name of Jesus, they will be the first to experience resurrection and power and be able to reign and rule and live with Jesus for those thousand years on earth. And you know what? There's, we don't see that in America. But you know what? They're beheading Christians every single day all across the world for their faith. So those, those people, you want to talk about persecution, they've experienced real persecution for their faith. And God's going to honor them for doing that. It's a blessing to do that. And so let's read that next point. So after the thousand years, Satan will be released, uh, but he also will be defeated, right? In this battle, it's called Gog and Magog. The Gog and Magog battle. Some of y'all are sitting there thinking, what, are we watching Lord of the Rings now? <laughs> Sounds kind of like a battle out of Lord of the Rings or something, right? But no, this is reality. Somebody say reality. Uh, there'll be a battle of Gog and Magog, okay? And Satan is finally, somebody say finally, cast into the lake of fire and will be tormented forever and ever. Him and himself and his pride and his jealousy and his anger and his antichrist divination spirit can live together in harmony in the lake of fire for eternity. Come on, somebody. He can go torment himself. He can't have us no more. Revelations 20, 7 through 10, it says, When a thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for, for battle. A mighty army as numberless as the sand along the seashore He's going to rile up everybody that's left once again after Jesus just ruled. He says, And I saw them as they went up 
on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown in the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining there his buddies, his friends, the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody say amen. All three, the enemy, will finally be defeated for eternity. That next point. After that, then the great white judgment will happen. The great white judgment will take place, and a new heaven and new earth will appear. The new Jerusalem comes down from heaven uh, to the new earth where Jesus Christ will reign and dwell with us forever. Let's go ahead and read Revelations 20, 20, 11. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and on it, sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done. Somebody say, had done. done. As recorded in the books. We're going to be judged based on our works. We're going to be judged on what we do with Jesus. Not necessarily saying that we believe in him isn't going to be enough. We're going to be judged on the action that we say we believe in. Verse 13, the sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their what? Their deeds, what they done. The death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Is your name in the book of life? Are you confident that your name right now is in that book. Because if it's not, Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Has anybody ever stood in front of a, a judge before? A couple of you, a couple of honest folks. Me too. Uh, that's a pretty scary moment, right? When your, your future, your destiny is in the hands of somebody else. Pretty scary moment. This eternal moment will be Either more rejoiceful, you already know what Jesus is fixing to say before he even says it, that you are not guilty, that you are entering to my, to my paradise, right? Or your heart's beating a thousand miles an hour because you don't know what he's fixing to say. If your heart's like that, you don't know what he's fixing to say, odds are you're probably not saved. We can remedy that today in Jesus' name if you want to. Here in a moment, as I close, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But whatever it is that is standing between you, between you and God's best for your life, it's not worth it. Hear me, it's not worth it. That sin is not worth it. Revelations 21, 1 through 8, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the new holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down um, from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. I love that description. Anybody who's been married, you can picture your your bride on your wedding day, I love that description. That's the bride of Christ, the church, is going to be ushered down for everybody to see. Verse 4 says, And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Come on, that sounds pretty good. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for I have to tell you, it's trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. 
But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft and idol worship, and all the liars, their fate now is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. If you read the, the Gospels, Jesus, as he preached and teached on his time here on earth, he used to say this saying, I said, those with ears to hear, hear what I'm saying. If you're here this morning with the ears that you have, what is God saying to you? Is you are you confident in your eternal destination? Or does it make you kind of nervous? Does it make you kind of fidgety? Are you questioning maybe some sin? Uh, you don't have that peace of God. If so, what are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Look at that last point. I'm fixing to wrap up. So we, Liberty Church, Pastor Ian, Pastor Keith, we can't guarantee how all these events are going to transpire and take place. Like I said, you study it out. You, you find out what the Lord says to you. We've tried to lay this out in a, a biblical, a theological, uh, and logical way for us to see. And so all that stuff is 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 can be arguable, questionable. That wasn't the point of this message for you to get to agree with what Ian believes as far as the details. But what we can tell you and promise you and guarantee is unless Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire, a place called hell, tormented forever and ever, with no hope, alone, by yourself. We can, based on what we just read, we can guarantee you that. We can guarantee you that. I want to read one last scripture. It's back in Matthew 2. It comes, uh, Matthew 7, 19, um, 7, 19 through 23. Right? And this is Jesus too. And he's actually referencing end times too. This is a, another a hidden message within the message. I love Jesus. Anybody love Jesus? He says, every tree uh, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and what? Thrown into the fire. He's talking about the eternal fire. How do I judge if I'm living for God? You better have some fruit, man. Some good fruit. And so he says, if you don't have fruit, you'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by the fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, on that day shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who what does. Not what I say, not even necessarily what I think or believe, but what I do is what's going to allow me to enter into the presence, will do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Are you living and doing for him today? Do you have good fruit. Does he know you? He knows who you are because he formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb, but have you given him permission to come and live and reside in your heart on a daily basis? Come and live and reside and dwell in your, in your mind on a daily basis. Giving him permission into those evil thoughts that you have and that manipulative spirit that you, you walk in sometimes. Have, does he know you? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? On that day, what is he going to say to you? Are you going to be so excited because of what's about to happen, you could finish that sentence for Jesus? Or are you going to be sitting there thinking, what did I do? What didn't I do? Because if you feel that way in that moment, you already know the answer to that question. 
And so as we close, I just want to, can we have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads? I want us to get real open and honest and transparent before the Lord. I want you to, to sit right now and ask God. Just, when's the last time you asked God, God, where am I? Do you remember uh, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and God came? They were supposed to meet. They always met the same time and same place in the garden every day. And he said, where are you? And they were hiding, right? Because of their sin, their shame. And so if you're here and you feel that way right now, odds are your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want you to know that God loves you. He's not mad at you because of your sin. He loves you and your forgiveness can be yours. All you have to do is just give him permission. Say, God, I need you. Jesus, I want you to, to live, in my, live in my heart, to the Lord, uh, in my life. And he can, he can come in like a flood Today can be an amazing day. Your eternity can be set and you can rest in the peace and the joy of knowing where you're going to go. Amen. And so if that's you right now, everyone's praying. I hope we're doing a self-evaluation. And I don't know, I don't, I don't care if you've been living, if you've been a Christian for a month, a year, two years, ten years, and you feel like right now you and God ain't good, then this is for you. I want you to stand up right now. If you feel like right now your name's not in that book, because, hear me, that's, that's for you right now. If that's you right now, I want you to stand up because the shame that it's going to take for you to stand up and, and, and your church family uh, is going to be nothing like that shame that you're going to feel when you're standing before God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels in heaven, and all the other believers watching you get judged. When he says, depart from me, I never knew you. The shame that you're going to feel in that moment is going to compare nothing to the shame that you can feel right now for standing up for Jesus. So I'm going to give you a few more seconds if that's you. Do not let this moment pass you by. If you're confident in knowing, hallelujah, I'm fixing to pray over us. Amen. Father God, Lord, I thank you that each and every person here, based on their deeds, has shown that they are they are confident in that their name is in that book. God, and I thank you. I pray that, God, when that day comes, God, we'll be excited. We'll stand before a judge like we never have on earth. We'll be, we'll be ready to hear that verdict. God, it'll be a joyful day. Because as we just read, sickness will have no place. Disease will have no place. Fear will have no place. It'll be nothing but love and joy and family and Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. It's going to be heaven and paradise. And I thank you that everyone here is going to be a part of that. And we're going to get to wave to our church family. We're going to say, hey, Michelle, and hey, Miss Jessica. Remember on earth that was so, hey, Paul, Paul, Larry. Oh, hey, Shondor, man, praise Jesus. We made it. Hallelujah. And we can rejoice together. This is real. God, we love you. God, and we thank you. Be with us as we go. Jesus, continue to remind us how blessed we are. God, and how of a good, good father that you are. God, we worship you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, Jesus.